Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. This morning, we're going to take a a look at a bit of history. And uh, if you'll turn to Ruth, we'll be there in just a little bit. If you're not familiar with where to find Ruth in the Bible, start at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. You'll get there. It's a small book. Over 6,000 years ago, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in Eden. They chose not to trust God. They sinned against God by eating the forbidden fruit. I'm pretty sure it was kiwi. That's nasty stuff. That's probably what it was. But some of their descendants followed God, and some of their descendants did not follow God. In the days of Noah, God sent a worldwide flood that destroyed all life on the earth, uh, except the sea life, but all the land, air-breathing land animals, and all the people. People are not animals. They're separate. God created them distinctly. And they all died except for Noah and his family. And they began again to populate the earth. In just a few hundred years, in the days of Abram, who would have his name changed to Abraham, most of the world had turned away from God. But God called Abram out of the land of the Chaldeans, out of Ur. And he started a new nation with Abraham that eventually became the nation of Israel. His grandson and his great-grandchildren went down and lived in Egypt for a time, and eventually they were put into slavery. And then Moses led them out of Egypt, out of bondage, and his assistant Joshua led Israel into what God called their promised land, the land that he had planned to give to them. So he led them there. And then Uh, After the deaths of Joshua and all the leaders that served with Joshua, the Israelites started following pagan gods again. Instead of following uh, the one true God, they started worshiping false gods. They were bowing down before stone and wood carvings instead of trusting the Lord God of the heavens. And then the book of Judges includes the history of Israel sinning against God. And then they were conquered by another nation. And then uh, they would pray for repentance. And then God would send a judge or raise up a judge who would then judge the land for a time, sometimes for 40 years, sometimes for two years. And he would help point people to God. And then after the death of the judge, what would Israel then do? go back into not following God. They would sin again and start this cycle all over. You see it repeated throughout the book of Judges. They just keep going over the same stuff. Short revival, and then back into sin, and then facing consequences, and then uh, being put in bondage, and then repenting, and then enjoying a little bit of revival, and then back into sin. That's the way some people live. That's not how God wants His people to live. Some of you have struggled with addictions, 
And addictions are very, very difficult to get over. And what often happens is you get this little cyclical pattern and you'll, you'll do better and do better and then you're, you know, doing really well and then you slip up and one slip up and it can really cause problems in your life. And what we need to do is rely on God, trust Him, pursue Him. It's not easy. I started to say it's not easy to get over an addiction, but you don't get over an addiction. You get past it. And in the same way you deal with grief, you deal with grief over your addiction, grief over the loss of a loved one. You don't get over the grief. You get past it. You live longer and get past it a little bit. So did you open your Bible to Ruth or click on your screen to Ruth? Let's start out here in Ruth. About 3,000 years ago is when this story happens. There was a famine in the land, and, and one man made some really poor choices, and one girl, a lady, made some wise choices. And So the events described in the book of Ruth took place over a dozen years or so ago, and they happened a long time ago, 3,000 years ago. I mean, that is older than Mr. Weber. <laughs> I haven't been able to pick on you in truck, so I had to do it here. So listen, why is this significant today? Because people are the same today as they were then. We have the same issues, the same doubts, the same hesitations, the same struggles. This guy faced a difficult time, and he made a poor choice. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. Now, in my family, with our kids, not my family growing up, we never said, I'm starving. We stopped saying, I'm starving. Because we would say, I'm American starving. American starving means I haven't had a meal for a couple hours. Worldwide starving means I haven't had a meal for a couple days or sometimes a couple weeks. So we don't really understand famine in America. You know, it's hard times in America when you have to have a peanut butter sandwich for lunch because you're out of ham and cheese. Uh, for most of us. But a worldwide famine. And because of COVID, some parts of the world faced even greater famine than they would have because supply lines were cut down. So there was more famine in the world in the last two years than there would have been without COVID. So this guy's facing a famine. There was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He lived in Bethlehem. He lived in Judah. Uh, Bethlehem, the city, Judah, the region, the tribal region. And then he went to dwell in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. Now, his name means my God is king, but he didn't live like God was king. He didn't trust and follow God. And the name of his wife was Naomi, and that meant a pleasant one, but later in the book, she becomes bitter. And then he had two sons, Malon and Chilion, and their names meant sickly one, or puny and pining one. 
I don't know if they were named that when they were born or if they earned that name as they were growing up. I don't know. Uh, but how would you like to be named the sickly one? Huh, Lance? Would that, would you like that name when you go out? Oh, there's the sickly one. Yeah, I know him. Uh, there's the piney one, his brother. That's what they named them. That's what their names meant. And uh, they were Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judah, Ephrathites, sorry, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. There was a famine, and they moved away from God's people in God's place, and they went into another country. Uh, then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. I'm told that Oprah Winfrey's name was a misspelling of Orpah. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but that's uh, what I've been told about her name. And the name of the other was Ruth. And by the way, I'm sorry I brought her into the discussion because she was named after a character in the Bible that kind of turned away from following God. And, and Oprah has actually, she follows her own faith in herself. She's not submitting to and trusting Jesus Christ for her salvation. So I don't want to distract you by bringing that up, but let's move on. And they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the other one was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years, then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Now in our culture, when a woman is a widow, there are some things that there's a system in place that can help them somewhat. Sometimes it's Social Security, sometimes it's Medicare, sometimes there's governmental programs to help people. Uh, but in their day, in their culture, there was nothing. You had to have a living man in your family to be able to provide for you. They were the ones who could keep you safe. They were the ones who could provide for you. And without that, you were destitute. And so this woman was destitute. She lost her husband. She lost her sons. I'm not sure her sons would have been much help to her, given the description from their names, but she was without help, and she felt just really beaten down. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. She heard the famine was over a little, that God was providing, there were blessings there, and she wanted to go back where they should have stayed. Verse 7, Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. They had become family. They were close. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. They both said that. Orpah said that, and Ruth said that. Verse 11, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb? Often in their culture... If you were married to an older brother and the older brother died, then they would marry you to the younger brother. And that's what they did in their culture. Um, 
verse uh, 11. Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husband? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Verse 14, they lifted up voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. And Ruth clung to her. So Naomi said to Ruth, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. <coughs> now it's very strange that she said back to her gods. That that's what Orpah did. And Naomi was kind of okay with that. She was having a hard time trusting God and following God because of all the losses that she had had. And so she wasn't comfortable following God wholeheartedly. She was moving back the right place with the right people, but it was going to be difficult. Then in verse 16, Ruth says one of the famous parts of this book. It's often used in weddings. Uh, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. She stopped trying to talk her out of it, stopped trying to chase her away, and accepted the fact that Ruth was going with her back into Israel. In uh, verse 19, now the two of them went until they came back to Bethlehem. Uh, they've gone from one country to another, a journey of more than 100 miles. It would be like uh, you walking to the other side of Tucson, Bisbee walking from here to Bisbee, a little town the other side of Tucson. Or if you go in the other way, you're going to walk northwest up to Wickenburg, which that's a really nice motorcycle ride from here to Wickenburg, but, uh, but it's not a nice walk. But that's what they did, this long journey they walked on together. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? What did her name mean? Pleasant one. Yeah, but she said, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So uh, your choices affect directly affect your destiny. Your choices directly affect your destiny. Now Elimelech made a poor choice. 
He had a name that said God is king. He had a reputation of following God with some of the people in his tribe. It was a known thing that Israel was supposed to be the nation that followed God. They were supposed to be believers. They were supposed to be committed. And they weren't following through. And he walked away from the heritage and his own personal commitment. And he went to another country. A country that was known for pagan worship. Your choices directly affect your destiny. Now, our society encourages you to follow your passion, to follow your heart. That's what our society says. That's what you need to do. But God wants you to follow Him. See, when you follow your own heart, you'll likely go the wrong direction. When you follow your own heart, you'll likely go the wrong direction. That's what Elimelech did. Elimelech said, I'm going to go another way. I'm going to decide my own thing. And he moved. Now, in the United States, we have a lot of freedom of movement. Just this week, Kathy and I took off for two days, and and we drove uh, almost 600 miles in two days, just had fun going up in the mountains and walking around a lake, and this week on two different days, we got to see a combination of 13 of our grandkids and had fun and enjoyed it and celebrated birthdays uh, with a couple of them and with a son-in-law, and even though his birthday's this week, you're not getting another gift later this week, AJ. It's already been done. But but we, we just had fun celebrating and having family fun, and and we have the freedom to be able to do that. And at any time, you can pick up and move. I mean, years ago, Roger and I were both serving in Trek. Now, neither of us are. We were both serving in Trek, the middle school ministry here. And he packed up and moved to Michigan. And then Benjamin followed your example. He packed up and moved to Michigan. Thanks, Roger. It's all your fault. <laughs> but, you know, we can do that. Kathy and I were in Cuba, and there was there were people who were stuck in this city Cuba was trying to build a nuclear reactor, and then the U.S. stepped in and said, no, we're not going to have that here. And so they stopped the construction. But they moved all these people up to what they called Atomic City, and they moved them in there, hundreds of people. And then when the job shut down, they wouldn't let them leave. And the people were literally starving, but they couldn't move away. Now, Elimelech could, and he could move away. But sometimes when you have more freedom and you follow your own heart, you go the wrong way. You go the wrong direction. And uh, look at these verses from Jeremiah 17. Uh, Three different verses. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And it goes on to say the Lord knows the heart. The Lord tries your heart. Uh, But when you follow your own heart, you will likely go the wrong direction. So you got to make sure that you don't just follow your own heart. If you're in the book of Ruth and yours starts like mine does at the beginning of a page, 
go back one page and look at the last verse in Judges. And the last verse in Judges says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's kind of like the world we live in. In fact, people no longer talk about the truth. They talk about my truth and your truth as if the truth could be debatable. It's either truth or it's not. There is objective truth. We find it in Scripture. We find it in certain law. There's a law of gravity that is the truth, whether you believe it or not. And if we were all having church sitting up on the roof, which Kathy and I did in a church in Cuba, we taught two different Sunday school classes. She was on one corner of the roof. I was on the other corner of the roof up there. And that's their Awana circle was on the roof of the church. How'd you like that, huh? <laughs> uh, and and we, we did stuff up on the roof there. That was what they did in their culture. Um, just realized I have a typo up there. That's stressing me out. Rongda. You go the Rongda erection. Um, <laughs> I am ADHD and it really shows up sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. You can back up one air. Oh, you fixed it? That's bizarre. Tim is good. He's get, once we get the new system in place, hopefully within a few weeks, uh, he's going to start training some new guys on this. But Elimelech followed his own path. And you can, when you follow your own heart, you can only follow your heart if your heart is following the Lord. But otherwise, you'll go the wrong direction. Your insights will truly be less insightful. Your, your plans will become more self-centered. You're moving in the wrong direction. Your goals will not be heavenly focused. Your daily choices will be less spiritual. Instead of moving toward Christ, you'll be drifting away from Christ. And we have to intentionally not follow our own heart. We have to follow the Lord. Another truth that we see lived out in this uh, passage in Ruth is that true faith continues to trust God even when life is difficult. Now, on the picture here, I have, it's a ladder going up a steep cliff, and you have to climb up that ladder. Now, some of you would freak out if you had to do something like that. When I was a kid, I would try to do it with no hands. At my stage now, I would definitely get my hands involved. But, uh, but sometimes life is difficult. Every Life is difficult. It's not just those who follow the Lord and those who don't follow the Lord, and it's harder if you follow the Lord. No, it's not harder. It's not easier. The Lord makes His reign to fall on the just and on the unjust. Life on earth can be difficult sometimes. And instead of trusting God, Elimelech moved his family to another country known for pagan worship and idolatry. Now, since the days of Lot, the Moabites and Israelites had sometimes an enemy and adversarial relationship. Sometimes they got along and most of the time they didn't. And that's where Elimelech took his family. Now, it's not wrong to move from one country to another or one state to another. How many of you have lived in a foreign country? Raise your hand. 
A whole bunch of people have. I have visited them. I haven't lived in a foreign country except for Texas. Uh, but I, I've lived in a lot of different places in the United States. Dad was in the Air Force and we moved around a lot. But when you need to trust God. And so before the move, what would Elimelech have done if he was trying to follow God? He would have prayed about it. He would have prayed, do you want me to move? Do you not want me to move? The famine's bad, but I want to follow you. What should I do? We see people doing that in Scripture. We do that in our own lives. We pray and ask God and seek wisdom from God. And he never did that. No mention of him praying. Things were not comfortable, so he packed up and moved away. I hear stories of people that got mad at their boss, so they quit their job. Didn't have another job lined up. Ended up losing their apartment or their house. Sometimes their car. They didn't plan for it. They didn't pray and seek God's wisdom. Don't pout and doubt. Choose to trust the Lord. Pray and seek His face. And if you think moving to Buffalo is a good idea, pray about it some more. <laughs> they're they're going to be leaving us in a few weeks, and we're so sad. So, going to Buffalo. Wow. Pray for them. There's hard times. Sometimes it's hard to trust God. And it's okay if for a brief moment, you doubt. But don't stay there. If you read through the Psalms, often at the beginning of the Psalm, the psalmist is saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? And the end of the Psalm, they say, I'm choosing to trust you. I choose to follow you. I've shared multiple times before. I've been here for over 24 years, so you've heard this before. But when we lost our first baby, I really was upset because... I left a job I loved that I was really good at and went to follow God to prepare to become a pastor and I felt like God failed me. And so for almost two weeks, I didn't talk to God at all. I said, well, if that's the way you're going to treat me, that's how I'm going to treat you. And then finally I repented and I got right with God and I started praying and talking to him again. And I, to this day, I don't know why God let us go through that. But we grew as a result of having gone through it. And so God's going to allow difficult times in our life. And we're not going to be able to say, I know what God's doing. Sometimes we don't know what God's doing. But when we choose to trust Him, we'll be better off than if we don't. If we choose our own path, we're going to move the wrong direction. So true faith is going to continue to trust God even when life is difficult. Third thing I want you to think about is that hard times are part of every life. They're not necessarily God's judgment against you. Look at Naomi. This seems like a pity party here in verse 20. Do not call me Naomi. Don't, don't call me the blessed one. Call me Mara, for I'm bitter. I'm no longer the pleasant one. And then she says, 
For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. The Lord has brought me home empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Not every problem is God's judgment in your life. How many of you this year, this calendar year, 2020, 2022, <laughs> I still got the COVID patch in my brain. So 2022. All right, how many in this calendar year, wait till I'm done asking all of this, okay? You've had surgery or you've had to have your foot in a boot or your arm in a sling. You've had to have physical therapy or you've had to see doctors for a significant health issue or you've had a surgery of some kind, okay? This year, how many of you? Now, the people with their hands down, that's because God was happy with them. All of you who raised your hand, God was upset with you about something. That's not true. God allows problems in your life. We don't like all the problems God allows. I've never met, well, I, I did know somebody who seemed to like having surgeries. Lady Kathy and I knew she had every elective surgery you could think of. I think she wanted to be the most surgically altered person on the planet. But, but uh, other than that, most people, they don't like surgery but you have it because you need it. And it's not a sign of God failing you. It's a sign of life on earth. We live on a sin-cursed planet. And we have consequences. Sometimes other people's sin affects us. I've had friends killed by drunk drivers. Had a friend in high school uh, who lost his arm. Uh, a football star had a college scholarship and lost his arm in a car accident, an alcohol-related car accident. Hard times are part of every life. Approximately 150,000 families today will lose a loved one. Some report that one in every four people will be a victim of a serious crime during their lifetime. We have bad days, bad weeks, sometimes bad years, health issues. There's rising costs of goods and essential, essential goods. There's supply chain issues. There's gas shortages, power outages. How many of you remember sitting in a long line waiting for gas in the 70s? How many of you remember that? And some of the kids are like, wait. The 70s, it's only 22. How could there be 70s, right? you got to go way back. Okay, uh, Life is sometimes very difficult and sometimes very painful. And that's just life. It doesn't mean God's upset with you. Now, it, uh, the, there's verses in the Bible here, when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. But there are also verses that say that sometimes when you walk with God, people who don't want to walk with God, they will turn against you. And we saw that in the life of Jesus, in the life of Paul, in the life of Peter, in the life of John. We saw that lived out in Scripture. Sometimes they were blessed, and sometimes they suffered even more because they were walking with God. So what you have to do when you're facing trouble, instead of saying, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you just say what? What do you want me to learn from this? 
what do you want me to do now? Because most of the problems that you're going to face in your life are just problems of life on earth. They're not God bringing judgment in your life. And I find a pattern in Scripture also that most of the time in Scripture, almost every time when God wants to bring judgment, He sends a warning. So He's going to judge Nineveh, but He sent a prophet there first called Jonah who announced that God was going to bring judgment. And the people of Nineveh repented. And so God didn't send the judgment for a couple more generations and then they stopped repenting and they faced the same judgment. So some, God sends a warning. So if you feel like, oh, this is terrible. It must be the judgment of God in my life. Did God send a warning to you? Did the Holy Spirit speak into your life? Has God said, I brought this because of your sin? See, if you have the Holy Spirit, and you have the Word of God, then you just say, okay, if this was God's judgment in my life, He would let me know. Now, if you have a guilty conscience, repent. If you don't, trust God and keep following Him. It wasn't that the Almighty turned against her. It could have just been her husband took her where she didn't need to be and she lost her husband and her sons because they were in the place they shouldn't have been. Fourth thing, you are in the process of choosing who you will trust and who you will follow. A little game of follow the leader. You are in the process of choosing who you will trust and who you will follow. You say, wait a minute, how am I in the process of that? I've been following the Lord for decades. How am I in the process of that? Every day you have to choose. Every day. What are you going to do today? You heard about that person who woke up in the morning and they're talking with the Lord about their day and they're praying, God, it's been a wonderful day. I've had great thoughts. I feel so close to you. I haven't had any sinful thoughts, no sinful actions. It's been a glorious day, but I'm about to get out of bed and I need your help. So there's going to be problems in your life. There's going to be difficulties. Every day you need to make that choice. Every day. You, Satan can put temptations into your head. He can put thoughts in your head. Uh, we see that in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. And Peter said to him, Why have you allowed Satan to tempt you to lie to the Holy Spirit? And they face God's judgment because of that. So sometimes you're going to have stuff go on in your head that you didn't plan, you didn't invite, and it's there. And you have to choose to follow God. It's not like, oh, you chose Him back here, and boom. How many of you drive a car? Okay. When you're in a car or a truck or whatever, a motorcycle, when you're out on the road and you're driving and you get in your lane, and you get out on I-10 and you just get in your lane and you just hold the steering wheel like this and keep going straight, right? Only if you want to get in a bad accident because the road's not completely flat and it's not completely straight. And so as the Lord, as the road curves, you got to curve with it. And so the whole time you're driving, you're adjusting 
to the traffic in front of you, the traffic behind you, the traffic on either side, uh, the road conditions, the weather conditions, you're constantly adjusting. They said that on the flight path from Earth to the moon, uh, the rocket, when it goes up there, the, it doesn't just get in its trajectory and then stay there. That a couple times a second, it's making adjustments. And they're constantly, instead of just going, shh, they're constantly doing this, adjusting, swinging, you know, to make sure they stay in the right place, in the right trajectory, in that window they have to be inside. And that's how our lives are. On the old movies, when they weren't really driving a car, they had uh, images on the screen going behind a person sitting in a studio holding a steering wheel. In the old movies, how did they drive? What did they do? Exactly, a whole bunch of people. That's what they did, you know. Have you ever been in a car when the driver's doing this? It's a really, really dangerous thing to do. So easy to lose control of the traction of the tires. So you kids who are thinking, oh, that'll be fun. I can't wait till I can drive. Don't do it. Bad thing. Especially if the road's wet. But we have to constantly make adjustments every day. You can be here in church today. You can be praising and worshiping the Lord, joining in the songs that we sing, listening to the message. You can walk out of here this afternoon and really blow it. You can go to a restaurant and get mad at your food and you throw a hissy fit because your service wasn't right, the food wasn't right, you're no longer representing the Lord, you're acting less like the Lord and more like Satan. We have to choose. Every day and multiple times a day, who are you going to follow now? So you are in the process of choosing that. Orpah disappears from the pages of Scripture. Ruth is mentioned multiple times. Uh, Abraham followed where God led. Lot chose a comfortable life. And so we have people who point back to Abraham as the father of Israel. But anybody who points back to Lot, point back to sin and distraction and turning away from God. Jesus said you're going to have to make a choice. You cannot serve God and money. He's not saying you can't be rich and follow Christ, but he's saying it can't be your heart to become rich. Sometimes God allows people to succeed. You know, if 20 years ago you had bought money and paid money to buy a stock in a little known startup called Google, you'd be a millionaire today. And sometimes God allows people to be blessed like that. Kathy and I had a friend, he invested in money in real estate. And he bought real estate in several different areas. And one of the land packages that he bought ended up being a real prime area. And he made lots of money, multiple millions of money selling that. I I know of a guy, I didn't know him. I knew his son and grandson, but I didn't know him. But uh, when they were expanding over on the east side of I-20, he made $3 billion land deals selling off his farm. And uh, so God allows people to flourish sometimes. 
But if your goal, your dream is money, 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 those that will be rich will fall into temptation and a snare, the Scripture says. And Jesus said, you got to choose. Are you going to follow me or are you going to try and just make more money? Now, sometimes God allows those who follow him to make more money. But your path has to be right. You have to follow him, not follow the dollar. And so you can't both covet and follow God at the same time. You have to choose to follow him. And if he blesses you, use it wisely. But it's not a sin to make a lot of money. It is a sin sometimes the way people make money. But if you invest wisely, that's not a sin. One last idea I want you to think about is that the people you dismiss may be the very people God will use to bless and enrich your life. Look in verse 21. How did Naomi describe herself when she left? Full. Why did she consider herself full? She had her husband. She had her two sons. How old were the boys? I would guess they were at least 8 to 10 years old because they were lived in Moab for 10 years and they'd gotten married. Even in their culture, when a young man got married at 16, it was unusual for uh, them to get married at 12. <laughs> so they, the boys were 8 to 10. They might have been teenagers, might have even been young adults. Uh, we don't know how old they were. Uh, but she had her husband and her two sons. She went away full. She came back. How did she describe herself? Same verse, 21. Came back empty. Did she come back empty? Who'd she come back with? Ruth. It was probably better for her than her sons or her husband. She did not come back empty. She came back with a beautiful daughter-in-law who loved her and who through Naomi learned to love and follow God. Remember Paul with John Mark? We looked at this just a few weeks ago. Paul with John Mark. And when Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him on the man, Paul said, no way, we are not going with John Mark. Not going, it's not going to happen. I'm not taking him on this trip. And, and so Barnabas and Paul said, you know what, we can't resolve this. So I'll take John Mark, Barnabas did, and Paul took Silas and they just went on two separate trips because uh, they couldn't, Barnabas absolutely thought they should take John Mark and Paul absolutely thought they shouldn't. Later on, when Paul writes about John Mark, he says, John Mark is beneficial and he's instructing people how to help John Mark. And then he's saying, bring John Mark to me. He's profitable to me in the ministry. But that's not how he felt at first. At first, he dismissed John Mark. But, as Paul and Naomi learned, the people you dismiss may be the very people God will use to bless and enrich your life. Eliab was dismissive of David when David shows up for the army of the Israelites. I was listening to this on my headphones while I was out walking this morning. And he scorned David. And that very day, David brings the great deliverance by taking down Goliath and the Israelite army had a great victory over the Philistine army. And 
uh, David, he became Eliab's boss because Eliab was a soldier and David was put in charge of the army after that. But he dismissed him. So be careful when you dismiss people. Well, that, that gangbanger kid down the street might end up being an evangelist someday. We've got one right here in town. That, that girl who was such an attitude may end up being a pastor's wife. <laughs> Kathy and I found out a girl that had been in our church in Texas, she ended up being a pastor's wife. We're like, what? <laughs> she was scornful and harassing and never seemed to pay attention in youth group and in church, and now she's a pastor's wife and doing well. People grow. People change. So the very people that you dismiss may end up blessing and enriching your life. Your choices directly affect your destiny. Now, years ago, like 20, uh, we had an intern here called Yuri Ivanuk. And Yuri's grandmother had been a member of the church I pastored in Saurita. And Mrs. Ivanuk, when she was a young woman, she was put in a concentration camp. In the concentration camp, they burn your number into your arm. And, and so she had that scar of her number burned into her arm. And she, because uh, in the camp, you weren't a human being. They didn't call you by name, that you were a number. While she was in the concentration camp, one of the ladies who was there gave birth to a child right before the mother died. The baby was born. And so the other ladies helped this baby. And they provided for this baby. And, and they met needs. And, and they, they shortchanged their own meager food to help this baby. And they preserved the life of the baby. Then after they were finally liberated from that camp, she lost touch with the, that baby and with most of the women there. And then uh, about 50 years later, she has a significant health issue and she needs to see a specialist, one of the few surgeons who specialize in this, who can do the surgery. And so she goes and she meets with this surgeon and she has the surgery and before the surgery, he had talked with her and they had interacted, but he hadn't seen the tattoo. But during the surgery, he saw the tattoo. And after the surgery, he came to her and he asked her, were you in that prison camp? And she said, yes. And he said, do you remember a baby being born in that camp? And she said, yes. And he said, what did you guys do to help that baby? She said, we gave part of our food every day, every meal. We tried to nourish that baby as much as we could. And he started crying. And he said, I'm that baby. She had saved his life when he was a baby. He had saved her life when she was an old woman. The choices you make directly affect your destiny. Choose wisely. God, I pray that we will make choices that would please and honor you. Please forgive us where we have failed you. Strengthen us 
to do what's right. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.